0: Now, when last we talked, we were talking from Exodus chapter 3. And we were talking about the call of Moses. Now, for 40 years, he was a prince, right? For 40 years, he was a pauper. During those 40 years, he chased sheep all around. He needed something to take care of the needs of those sheep. The wonderful thing as you study, if, if you ever studied Psalm 23 and you read about the, the rod and the staff that, that the shepherd uses, you understand the importance of them. This is, this is neither of those actually. It's actually just a walking stick, but it can, it can kind of help you get a picture of what, go, what went on with, with Moses. For the first... Forty years that he had his shepherd's staff, that is what it was, just a shepherd's staff. When the Lord called him, that shepherd's staff became the rod of God. It is amazing. It is interesting. It's beyond belief that God could change something from just a rod or staff Being the rod of God. Now, some of you have already noted this and you said they didn't want me to throw it down and see if it would turn into a snake. But imagine being Moses and your best friend is a stick. I mean, everywhere you go, you're dealing with sheep. And even when he was dealing with people, he was dealing with sheep. It should be a regular thing for us to get up in the morning and say, bah! (laughs) Because that's all we are. We're sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so... The rod of God became the rod of God because of the way Moses was guided to use it. It became something that represented uh, the power of God. Think about how it was used in the life of Moses as he went from that place of the burning bush and went about his business from then on. He hiked all the way from the Midian wilderness to um, where Pharaoh lived, um, and, and there are different suggestions about exactly where that, that was. When, when they left, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they left from Succoth, which was kind of in the north part, in the, in, a little bit in the delta region around where the Nile River splits out and finally goes into the, the Mediterranean Sea. And um, they, had to, they, they had a lot of walking to do. Now, Moses was 80 years old. Normally, when we think of 80 years old, 80 years is, you know, it's time to get one of these. And um, you need something just to help you stay up sometimes, you know? Um, but to have... The power that those that the, the rod of God had was to go beyond the normal view of of things. So Moses carried it with him always, just like some people who live on ranches are always carrying their their twenty two or their shotgun or something like that to take care of the critters. And this comes close to that. Um, and I do know how to throw it, but it doesn't have the capability of the rod of God. However, um, I grew up with a rod because my mom did not spare the rod. I know a little about the rod, and so um, this This is just to remind us of the way Moses carried out his business. I would have loved to have been there when Moses came to the Red Sea. And Lord, what do we need to do? How are we going to... What are we going to do with the Egyptian army coming and here we are, we can't go forward because there's water there. And... As you know, there are are some of the more modern theologians who have said that it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. But I want you to know, if that's true, there was no more amazing miracle that took place because there was a whole Egyptian army that drowned in ankle-deep water. But that's not what happened. We know that it's not. God piled that water up and moved it to both sides they were able to go across because God said to Moses, Moses, what are you doing calling out to me? Go out there, take that rod, stick it up like that, and let those waters open up. The power of God, and God was using this as a symbol of his power. For all the time that Moses was alive and and Moses was doing the business of leading the children of Israel, I believe this was his right-hand man. And he used it in, in ways to accomplish that. Not only did he hold it over for the Red Sea to open up, but he also used it when he was on the mountain, when Joshua was down in the valley fighting the battle. And Hur and Aaron held his hands up and there was the rod in his hand. And that was the way that they knew that God was fighting the battle. And when he held it up and when his hands were up, they were winning the battle. And when it came down, they were losing the battle. What kind of a a rod, what kind of a staff do we have that gives us that kind of capability that enables us to call upon and to use the power of God in our lives? It's prayer. It's seeking God. It's asking him to do what only he can do. There are a lot of illustrations that that could be used with this. And Moses' life was a a wonderful example of those kinds of things. But we need to get on with this because uh, I'd only have a set amount of time. And y'all want to get home sometime tonight. So... Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. I'm doing that because I don't want to have to go through all of the rest of Exodus, all of Leviticus, all of Numbers, and the rest of Deuteronomy to get you to understand about the life of Moses. Moses wrote those books. There's no question in my mind, regardless of what anybody else may say, Moses wrote. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. No, he didn't write Joshua. Joshua wrote Joshua. But to Deuteronomy, all of those, the Pentateuch we call them. Or another term is the Torah. And we, we those books are foundational in everything else we study in the Word of God. It is... The Old Testament is to the New Testament what the bud of a rose becomes when it is opened up. The New Testament is the open rose. The bud is the Old Testament. And it further reveals all of the things. I think that it could very well be that all of the illustrations we need for explaining the New Testament are in the Old Testament. If we'll just look and think about it. And so Moses is largely responsible for the writing of that. And um, I told you this morning that he was born in 1525 BC. I told you that he died in 405 uh, excuse me, 1405 BC. He lived to be 120 years old. And this is kind of the account of that that we have in in the last chapter of Deuteronomy. And it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, all of Nephtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south end of the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. There in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dimmed, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew, face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight thanking you for the privilege of being in this place for the freedom that we have in this nation to be able to gather and worship you. We thank you for the life of this, your servant Moses, and the way that you used him to establish a foundation that has been holding for all of the years since 1400 BC. And we thank you, Father, that, that those lessons, those truths continue be valuable in our lives today and that they enable us to be the kind of people we should be before you. We thank you for the example of Moses. He wasn't perfect, but you used him in great ways. And we thank you, Father, that in the same way that you had a plan for Moses, you have a plan for each of us And it is your desire to accomplish in us those things that will enable us to make an impact on those around us until you call us home. May we be ever attentive, ever available, and may you get the glory from our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It's amazing to me to read that when... Moses was 120 years old. His vision was as good as ours was when we were young. Can you imagine being Moses, climbing up Mount Nebo, looking out over all of the land of Israel? Now, Israel is in the neighborhood of 180 miles long. At its widest point, it's probably in the neighborhood of 40 miles. It's not extra big. But for one person standing on top of one mountain to be able to see all of that is an amazing thing. God pointed out to him all of these, all of these important areas. He said, now, way up yonder, if you will just look as far north as you can look, you can see where Ephraim is and Manasseh are going to be living when when finally the land is the inheritance is divided among all of the people. And you can come down here to the south and, and you can see where Jericho is and, and the palm trees that are around there, making it such a pleasant place to live. You can you can see up just over the hill from that, some thirty miles, the area where Jerusalem is, and and you can enjoy seeing those mountains that are there the reason that wherever in Israel you may be you go up to Jerusalem that's not just a a, um, a truth because Jerusalem is higher than any of the other areas because up in Nazareth and up in that area it has mountains as well but um, Jerusalem is is kind of a, a higher point than any of that and so when people were traveling they could travel to Jerusalem and they could see it from a great distance as they were coming on their way to it. But There's a greater reason that Jerusalem was always going up because it was the place of God. It was the house of God. It was the place of worship. It was the place where people wanted to go to, to meet with God. Now, Moses didn't get to see it in that condition. Of course, he didn't get to see any of it because this was as close as he was going to get from the top of Mount Pisgah. How close do you want to get to heaven? Do you want to just be able to look over and see it? Do you want to just have to stand on this side and stay on this side and not be up in the presence of God and the presence of God's people and enjoying what He has for us. You know what makes the difference in where you are. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your relationship with Him that will enable you by faith to be able to go into the very presence of God. You can stand before God. You can stand with Jesus. You can talk to Him face to face as Moses had the opportunity of doing day after day after day. That may be one of the most amazing facts about the life of Moses, especially as we come to the conclusion that there was nobody else who had such a close relationship with God that it was as though they were face to face, as though they were just right together all the time. Again, I think I've said this before, but one of the amazing things that I remember reading about Corey ten Boom was the fact that there were, in her apartment she had she where, where she would sit many times when she was when she was praying, she would move another chair up close to where she was. And she would act like that was where the Lord Jesus was sitting. And she could just talk to him and talk to him. And she had that kind of a relationship with God. And that's the kind of relationship that is, is possible for, for us to have. Um, so many, when we read about the disciples, we read about how God told them to do this and God told them to do that. When we read about the prophets, we read, read how God said, now this is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to act. And Moses was one of those prophets. As a matter of fact, apparently, in the eyes of the Lord Jesus... He was a great he was one of the greatest prophets. Now John the Baptist also was a great prophet of the day in which Jesus was of the prophets. And so uh, Moses was the one that really set the tradition, set the plan for the prophets that would come after him. Abraham also, by the way, was considered a prophet. but um, God, used moses in in many ways i remind you again of what a prophet's supposed to do number one a prophet is to foretell that's the part that we like about the prophets that's why we read the book of revelation that's why we read the book of isaiah that's why we read some of those prophetic books the book of daniel Because we want to read about the things that are going to happen in the future. We've always, humans have always had, since the fall, a desire to know what's going to happen in the future. And the Lord has been gracious enough to reveal that through the prophets. Everything we need to know. And he guided Moses in such a way that as he was leading the children of Israel they were following um, the direction of God the mind, the will of God in the things that they were doing. So Moses at 120 could still see as well as he could when he was 14, 15 16 years old. He still had the amount of vigor that he had then. I don't feel like I'm an older gentleman. And y'all can argue all you want on the gentleman part of it. but, But every once in a while, I am reminded that I am an older gentleman. I can't run like I used to run. I don't have the muscle strength that I used to have. I don't have the memory to be able to do things that I used to have. It's probably up there. It's just how in the world do you get it out? But the, uh, Moses had, had all of his faculties about him to the extent that he had them when he was, when he was young. And God used that in his life. It was one of the blessings that God gave him. God gives us the blessing of health that we enjoy to whatever degree that is. And if our degree of health is not what we would like it to be, what we need to understand is it's the degree of health that God wants us to have at that particular time because of the testimony that he wants to come from our lives, be evident for others to see and to hear. We shouldn't be complaining about where we are in our physical condition. We should be allowing God to use that however he chooses to use it, understanding that he can use us as well if we're decrepit as he could when we're 15 and running around and doing everything that we used to do and that he is continuing to have his way in our lives or he would take us home and we wouldn't have that to worry about. So, um, he was 120 years old, his eyes were not dim, his natural vigor not diminished, and by the way, this also, I'm not going to go there, not, we, don't, we don't have time to deal with it, but you'll remember, some time ago, I, at one of the GBS meetings, I think it was, I took, took them to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, and that passage, Scripture describes how we are when we're older, how our ears don't work right and our teeth um, don't have the, the grinding ability that they used to have. You can read that and you can say, you got it right. Solomon wrote those things because he, he was very and wise and knew what we would be like. That's a part of what happens in our lives. And I had a preacher friend, the first preacher that I worked with in my first uh, full-time service as a minister of music and education and anything else they could get me to do. And um, he said, every age has its compensations. And so I'm looking forward sometimes to seeing what those compensations are, but that there are those compensations one thing I know for certain every day we're walking with the Lord we're getting closer and closer and closer there was a song that that I taught kids when I was at at, at, at Porterdale in Georgia and that was uh, we are climbing Jacob's ladder and the second verse goes every rung is higher higher and Um, how true it is that that we should be growing in our faith and getting closer to the Lord. If people ask me, I'm very quick to say that yes, I believe the Lord is coming and I know it's 2,000 years closer now than it was when he left the earth before. And that it could be any time that we need to be looking for him and knowing that he's going to come. So Moses had all of these physical qualities but in spite of that God didn't wait for him to wind down before he called him home. Moses at 120 after he had the wonderful view and the unparalleled pleasure of having God direct him in where everything was in the promised land. Would you like to have God for your guide to the promised land? You suppose he could give you any good stories? You suppose he'd know what it was then, what it is now, what will be in the future? And uh, to have him for that guide must have been an amazing thing. But the point of all of this is when we come to the end, what is going to be able to be said about us? Uh, A month and a half, two months ago, whatever it was, um, our pastor's wife, Cherry, uh, did a devotion. It may have been for GBS, I don't remember what right now, but it was about what's going to happen in the future, our legacy. And... um, all of us have, or hope, are working on a legacy for what we're going to leave. Moses left a legacy. It wasn't that he had extra money to hand out to anybody. It wasn't that he could go to a library that he had had built that they could come to and, and learn about him. It wasn't that he was of stu- such prestige that there were that there were a lot of monuments that were built to him. But it was that his life was an example for everybody else to follow. And he gave us much instruction to help us be the kind of people that we should be. Since then, there has not risen in Israel, a prophet like Moses. No, another prophet like Moses, I love to read about Isaiah, I love to read about Jeremiah, I love to read about Daniel, but not a prophet like Moses has ever come up since that time. Now, let me add one more thing to this that makes Moses' life a little more interesting He died at 120. But God was not through with him. When Jesus came, God had Moses come down and talk with Jesus. That was the first time Moses set foot in the promised land. That was the time that he got to see how God had worked in all of those years and have a part in that and it was because he was fulfilling he was seeing fulfilled the prophecy that had been made about Moses there will come another prophet who will be like Moses who was that prophet Jesus and that is that is the one that we look to that is the one who has not only shown his wisdom, but given his life a sacrifice for us. Now Moses also gave his life a sacrifice. He could have been the ruler of Egypt. He could have stayed there and had all of the luxuries and everything else that was a part of Egyptian life when when Egypt was probably the strongest of all of the nations. But he chose not to do that. In the book of Hebrews, as it's describing Moses, it says in chapter 11, verse 23 and following, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And I didn't mention this this morning in talking about that beautiful child. Another word that is synonymous with beauty in the eyes of of Moses and others was that it meant an exceptional child. He He was exceptional. Have you ever seen exceptional children in the things that they can do. Well, of course you have. You've got grandchildren, right? And every one of our grandchildren are some of the most exceptional people in all the world. But there was something about him even then that was exceptional. Now, what makes us exceptional today should be the hand of the Lord on our lives. That is what carried Moses through all the difficulties that he faced. As I have said, he, did, he made mistakes. He did things that were wrong. But ultimately, as we read in this passage of Scripture, he was God's man for the hour. Let me continue on. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, and fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him, excuse me, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let me stop right there and maybe deal with a little confusion that you may have. When you read in the book of Exodus, Moses was afraid and left left, left Egypt because of... Pharaoh, and he was afraid that Pharaoh would do something to him, kill him even, because he had killed an Egyptian. But here it says that Moses was unafraid of Pharaoh. How many times did Moses leave Egypt? Twice. The first time he left as a killer, the second time he left leading the nation of Israel, to the promised land. In that second time, he had already had occasions when he stood before Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, if you don't let the people of God going, this is what I promise you. Plague number one, plague number two, plague number three, plague, plague, blah, 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 blah. plague number four, and all the way through the ten plagues. And in every one of those, because Pharaoh wouldn't pay attention, there was the plague, the power of God, to manifest the fact that God was greater than any and all combined of the gods of Egypt. Because every one of those plagues was a strike against one, at least one of the gods of Egypt. And so he was demonstrating the fact There is only one God, and that God is the God of the Jews, the God who created everything. That's the real God. So maybe that will help you to understand why in one place it says he was afraid, in another place he was not afraid because of what God had done in his life. So um, he forsook. Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured a as seeing him who is invisible by faith he kept the passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them and when you study about the passover the one thing that you need to understand is that the passover was not a final kind of a of a celebration It was a picture of something that was going to come. It was a representation of the fact that there was going to be a sacrifice given by God Himself that would cover all of the sins of whosoever will. And there would be no need for us then to be concerned about that because when we come to the Lord Jesus, the blood He shed on the cross was the blood that washed away and covered all of our sins, not just for one day, but for all of eternity, for everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Passover of that day, while it represented something important to the children of Israel, represents even more for all of those who are children of God in fact and reality because we have to look forward to a time of being in heaven with the Lord Jesus for all of eternity because Jesus himself was willing to pay that price for our sins, for my sins. All we can say is, hallelujah, what a Savior. And then finally, in verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Do you know, do you realize, you've got a power indwelling you that enables you to do things that no unsaved person can do? You can have a patience, you can have a peace, you can have a joy. You can have the Word of God brought to your mind when it's needed as you're sharing with somebody about the truth because God has worked in His children in such a way that we have that extra spiritual blessing in being a part of His family. So had we been those who were going through the Red Sea we could have made it safely because we by faith would be following going through the Red Sea. The Egyptians, on the other hand, could not make it by faith because their faith was not in the God who opened the waters in the first place. And so they could not enjoy that advantage but rather have to endure the judgment or their lack of faith. And so God allowed the seas to come back on them and drown the whole army of the Egyptians because of that. There are so many amazing and wonderful things that Moses got to be a part of and that set him apart as a man of God. And one of the most important words that could ever be said of anybody was said of him when I read in this passage of, of Scripture um, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 34, these, these words, so Moses, the servant of the Lord. Nothing more important, nothing greater that we could be or do. There was a hymn that was written several years ago, that that kind of expresses this in a different kind of way. Everybody wants to be free. Everybody wants to, some think that freedom is doing whatever you want to, whenever you want to do it, but it's not. But we as believers have a liberty, a freedom that nobody else has. Moses demonstrated that because he found his greatest pleasure, his greatest love, his greatest grace, experienced in following the will of God. So here's the hymn. It's, it's entitled Free to Be Me. Free to me be, be me, God. I really am free. Free to become what you want me to be. Free to decide whether I should be Lord or be your slave and obey your word. Freedom, possession that makes me like you, frightens me, God, when its meaning sips, seeps through blessing or curse lord condemned to be free free but responsible free to be me free to live fully to follow your way give me holy to die every day free to be real god strip off my mask to be your creation it's all that i ask Do you want to be free moses was free the thing that we can say about about him is the his quality of life was as good as it could be because he had surrendered to the lord free to do what the lord wanted him to do that's when we are free and so i hope in this makeshift put together hurriedly couple of messages, you've seen through the life of Moses, the power of God that is available not only for Moses, but for us. The last time that Moses may have been mentioned in the Bible, there's a great discussion on this, and that is in the book of Revelation. There are two witnesses. It may be that Moses is one of those witnesses and has the opportunity at the very end of history to be able to share again the truth of the Lord Jesus to that generation, to that group of people that has rebelled against God. But I think God would say to us, I would like for you to be In the battle, I would like for you to experience the kind of freedom that is there because you become my servant, even my bond servant. Because to be the bond servant of the Lord is to find true liberty, true freedom, and the ability to be the person that God wants us to be. No higher calling anywhere let's pray father we come to you and thank you for the privilege of being in this place this evening we thank you for the life of moses and how you used him how he had a stick that he carried around for so many years that was good for for taking care of the sheep and chasing away, away enemies but you demonstrated an even greater ability of that stick when it became a snake. Or when it opened up the Red Sea or or when it brought the army the strength and encouragement they needed to fight their battles or in any of the other ways that Moses used that stick over the course of his serving you. And Father, may we in faith Follow the example of Moses and be useful for you in the days ahead, that others can find true freedom and that they can find their strength in you. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake.